Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But as we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, forgives our sins and cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Let us then confess our sins unto God our Father. Most merciful God, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. But for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us, forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his only Son to die for you and for his sake forgives you all of your sins. As a called and ordained servant of the word, I therefore forgive you your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He made the stormy still, and the waves of the sea were hushed. Then they were glad that the waters were quiet, and he brought them to their desired haven. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of men. Let them extol him in the congregation of the people, and praise him in the assembly of the elders. Glory be to the Father and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and will be forever. Amen. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the Church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For this holy house and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. Glory to God in the highest, and peace to his people on earth. Lord God, heavenly King, almighty God and Father, we worship you, we give you thanks, we praise you for your glory. Lord Jesus Christ, only Son of the Father, Lord God, Lamb of God, you will take away the sin of the world. Have mercy on us. You are seated at the right hand of the Father. Receive our prayer, for you alone are the Holy One. 
guide the course of this world so that your church may joyfully serve you in godly peace and quietness through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The scripture readings for this, the third Sunday after Pentecost, the Old Testament reading from the 38th chapter of Job, verses 1 through 11. And then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Dress for action like a man, and I will question you, and you make it known to me. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me, if you have understanding, who determined its measurement? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? On what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? Or who shut in the sea with doors when it burst out from the womb? when I made clouds its garment and thick darkness its swaddling band and prescribed limits for it and set bars and doors and said, Thus far shall you come and no farther, and here your proud waves will be stayed. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. On your wondrous works I will meditate, and I will declare your greatness. The epistle lesson from the sixth chapter of Second Corinthians, verses 1 through 13. Working together with him, then, we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, In a favorable time I listened to you, and in a day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. We put no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry, but as servants of God we commend ourselves in every way by great endurance in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love by truthful speech and the power of God and with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left, through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise. We are treated as impostors and yet are true, as unknown and yet well-known, as dying and behold we live, as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing and yet possessing everything. We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians. Our heart is wide open. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted in your own affections. In return, I speak as to children, widen your hearts also. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We continue with the singing of the hymn of preparation.
and in respect of Christ, of whom the Holy Gospel is read. Alleluia, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Alleluia, Alleluia. The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the fourth chapter. On that day, when evening had come, Jesus said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind, and he said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this, that even wind and sea obey him? This is the gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, o Together we confess our holy Christian faith in the words of the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen.
mercy and peace be yours from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Our text today for this third Sunday after Pentecost is from the Gospel reading, Mark the fourth chapter. Mark writes this. A great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling up. But Jesus was in the stern, asleep on the pillow. And they woke him and they said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? And this is our text, dear friends, in our Lord Jesus. His name is Rembrandt Harmanzoon van Rien, but we all know him simply as Rembrandt. Of his work, of his paintings, one has noted no artist ever combined more delicate skill with more power and energy. Then I suppose these two characteristics, the delicacies of detail and the the expression of energy, these two then naturally collided when Rembrandt took up painting the scene from our sermon text today. The storm on the Sea of Galilee, the painting's called. Perhaps you've seen the painting, maybe you even recall hearing of the painting before. Striking. Centered in the, centered in the painting, perched high, high atop a cresting wave is, is the fishing boat, yet only half visible to you, the onlooker because the other half disappears behind this tall wall of water ready to pummel the small watercraft. The rope that once secured the mainsail is pictured flying wildly up in the air somewhere above the boat while the sail, torn and ripped, whips in the air, useless in the violent wind. And at the rear of the boat there seems to be a futile attempt by one of those on board to hold the tiller, to hold the, the steering stick firm and keep the rudder fixed. Or you might look at it and say the guy's only holding on for dear life amid all of the chaos. It's a fascinating painting by Rembrandt. But remember this too about that masterpiece of Rembrandt's. While it would on the whole seem rather accurately to depict the, our, the scene from our sermon text, the scene of that stormy night, one would examine the painting more closely and he'll notice what appears to be an error in the painting. When you look carefully, you can, and you count all the men in the boat, the boat there, there are in fact 14 pictured there in the boat. But as we consider our, our text from Mark, even that from Matthew and Luke as well, we might surmise that there would be 13 in the boat. The 12 that the Lord called just a chapter earlier in Mark, the 12 disciples he called to be his apostles, and Jesus too, but that makes 13, not 14, as Rembrandt has pictured here. But if you look carefully at all those individual faces of the different men in the boat, you'll find that it was indeed no mistake at all. It was meant to be. There were those twelve. There was Jesus there sleeping calmly in the stern. The fourteenth, the fourteenth, you look carefully and compare the face of that fourteenth to all of the self-portraits that Rembrandt had painted. And you'll find that Rembrandt put himself right there in the boat. He put himself there with the disciples, with the Lord, as one has observed. He put himself there as if to say, I've been there too. I've been there too. I know what it's like to be tossed about by storms over which I've got no control at all. You know that too. That 14th face could, could have just as easily been yours or mine. We know fear. We know what it is to be afraid. We've been there too. Maybe it's been for you on rough waters or in rushing waters somewhere when the, when the rushing tides or the waves or the winds were far more than you counted on and you began to, fear began to wash over you, doubts began to blow you about so that those rushing waves or the pitching Waves or the switching winds outside of you became quite a parallel picture of the storm raging inside of you. Maybe it was that kind of storm. But then again, too, maybe you know the fear from being tossed about in a different kind of storm, a financial storm. When predictability gives way to unforeseen economic currents, when unexpected gusts come out of nowhere and you're left there not knowing whether you're going to sink, whether you've got what it takes to swim, out of the wreckage, for some, maybe for you, you know the fear of lab tests awaited or lab tests returned with some diagnosis you know little to nothing about. 
or perhaps worse, one that you know all too much about. Because it's one that's ravaged your family and the peace and security of your family before. Maybe you know and you have a fear for the church at large. As it's barraged by legislation or by activism. False teaching on all sides. Fears that make you feel like you're right there in the boat with the disciples caught in the storm afraid. You don't have to have been right there in their boat with water on your face to know what it's like to be in the same boat because fear is fear. Fear is fear no matter the storm. Sometimes the fear that washes over us, it does so because life's great storms take us by such surprise. Surprise because they rise up in waters that are so well charted. By us. Now that was the case for the disciples. Remember, these were seasoned sailors, these men, many of them fishermen by trade. They would have spent their life out on that lake, the Sea of Galilee, the Sea of Tiberias, it was called, Lake Gennesaret. They knew it. They knew this sea like an old temperamental friend. They knew just how quickly, because of the unique geologic and, and climatic conditions, of the lake, they knew that evening tempests could and that they often did whip up, rise up on that lake. They'd navigated these waters before. They probably had been caught out in a couple of the storms themselves. They knew these waters, and they knew they knew these waters. But that's not so unlike us either, is it? We're no strangers to the waters that we navigate daily. No, to the contrary, we're quite comfortable in them. Knowing that at times storms are going to rise up, they're going to toss us about a little bit, but we've seen them before. We know what to do. We know we're sturdy enough to weather them, right? Perfectly able to handle it ourselves, aren't we? So we think. So we think until that great storm arises. Great storm, mega lane is the Greek word in our text today, mega lane, mega storm. So we think until the mega storms in life, uh, in life arise and we're tossed to and fro like never before, storm tossed. So what do we do? Well, impulsively and instinctively, naturally we reach down for strength within, from within ourselves it's naturally what we do, and, and knowing the, their collective experience of all of their seasoned sailing hands on deck, I can imagine that's exactly what the disciples in the text would have done for today. Soon, though, they'd find it was all beyond even their collective strength. Now, we too might, at times, we, we might grab the tiller. We might grab the tiller and seek to hold on to the rudder, trying, though trying in vain, trying single-handedly to direct the course of our days. And we do that, don't we? We do it. We reach within ourselves. We reach down to find strength within ourselves. We do it when, for instance, instead of committing our course to God's care and His wisdom and His power to stop the storms when and where He would choose to stop them, no, instead, so often, we'd rather we'd try to clear life's stormy skies with the power, for instance, of our own positive thinking. And how many do that in our day today? They've been convinced it's a life philosophy many hold to. In fact, one has dubbed it the secret. Convinced so many are that if you just think positively enough about something, it'll, it'll blow it away. It'll blow over. You can chart thereby your own course in life, clear your own skies. Any positive thinking power obviously didn't work for the disciples today. And in the end, like them, we'd find ourselves not, we'd not find that, we wouldn't have found that we weathered the storm. The storm weathered us. Because the greatness of the storm proves greater than you and me and greater than us together. You know the feeling. It's an out of your hands kind of feeling, out of control. So up to their necks in fear, their boat taking on water, coming apart, you know the feeling. 
What's the disposition of those disciples? We could sure use a word from you now, Lord. They see him there sleeping in the boat, resting calmly in in quiet stillness. We could sure use a word from you, Lord. Maybe you know that feeling too. Sometimes it would seem as though he who watches over Israel does slumber and does sleep. And you'd like to hear from him. You'd like to have him address your problem, calm your storm, at least express and voice his concern and his care. The fact is, though, that you have God's word. You have his assurance. You have his promise, just like those disciples did, though they forgot it. You have it, just like they did. God's words that assure you that consider God is your refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble, indeed, right in the boat with you. A very present help in trouble, the psalmist says. Therefore, we will not fear, even though the mountains be carried into the heart of the sea. He's saying, even though those mainstays in life, those mountain-like, rock-solid, secure things that you've counted on throughout life, even when these things come crumbling into the heart of the sea, and they will, if they haven't yet, they certainly will, even though the psalmist says its waters roar and are troubled, Yet God promises you can be still and know that I am God. His promise to you. Or what about this promise of God who says, Call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you. Count on it, he says. I will deliver you. Now, it may not be in the time or in the way that you'd expect, but he promises he'll deliver you. In fact, it might even be by delivering you completely out of all of the storms of this life, right through the final storm of this life, death taking you to heaven's promised haven. It may be that way that he delivers you, but he'll do it. Or how about the words of the psalm that you recited earlier this morning? Just as those disciples certainly would have recited in their years of experience, the psalmist writes, they reel to and fro. They're at their wits end. You know the feeling. And they cry out, we sang to the Lord in their trouble. And he brings them out of their distresses. He calms the storm. So that the waves are still, he guides them to their desired haven. Those are rock-solid promises. They're yours. Just like they were theirs. It's just that when the winds start to howl and the waves swell to disciples, though we may be to disciples with eyes full of fear, without faith, the wind and the waves, they appear far bigger and stronger than God's promises to us. Martin Luther comments on this all in a sermon that he preached on the same account. And he says this, and note it well, it's beautiful what he says. He says, had they had faith, it would have driven the wind and the waves of the sea out of their minds and pictured before their eyes in place of the wind and the tempest, the power and the, and the grace of God promised in his word. And faith would have relied upon that word as though anchored to an immovable rock and would not float away on the water. And they would have pictured as though the sun shined brightly and all was calm and no storm was raging. For he concludes, it is the great characteristic and power of faith to see what is not visible. To see what is not visible and not to see what is. Beautifully said. They had his promises, just like you do. They had him very present, just like he's promised to be for you. But faithless instead, they challenge his care. We do that too. Don't you care I'm sinking here, Lord? Don't you care job, finances, health, grief, depression, loneliness, Overwhelming guilt over what I've done, whatever the wave that pounds your boat, don't you care, Lord, that I'm perishing? What a thing to suppose. What a shameful thing to suppose. Why do you think he allowed the storm to blow into your life in the first place? Was it not because he cared for you? Was it not because he knows well that he who trusts in his own strength certainly will perish eternally 
Do you not care? They asked. As those same disciples in those days and in years after they watched Jesus go to the cross for them. To pay for their eternal punishment of sin. In the shadow of that cross. As those same disciples would have thought back on that night and that, that, that night at sea. And thought about their question to him, Lord, don't you care? They must have felt so small, so ridiculous to ever have suggested such a thing. And and friends, as we behold in our minds Christ Jesus on the cross for us, dying hell's death for us, for our faithlessness, for our cowardice. Christ on the cross for us in our minds, but now now Christ risen and with the, the marks to prove it. Beholding him in our minds, any hint then in our minds amid life's winds and waves of Jesus, don't you care, should make us feel just as small, just as ridiculous. For friends, can anyone consider the self-sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross in the raging storm of Calvary and conclude anything but that God cared so deeply for this world in trouble? You know scripture, you know the promises. God loved this world so that he gave his only begotten son right into that storm of our sin. He gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes and trusts in him in whatever storm shall not perish. No, but shall know the great calm, Megalane, the great calm of eternal life. And you know what else scripture promises too. He who spared not his own son but gave him up for us all. How will he then not with him freely give us all things that we need? That's a promise. And it's yours. And so as scripture says, cast all your cares upon him. For scripture tells you, promises to you. Because he cares for you. He cares for you. And so cast your cares upon him and make no mistake. He still is the master of every wind and every wave, literal or figurative. Still saying to each and every one, this far you may go, but no farther. No farther can you go in the life of my dear one. I won't permit it. Make no mistake. But neither make the mistake of thinking either that that if my faith... If my faith is just enough, life storms will go away. That's not so. That's not so. Think about it. In Jesus' humanity, Jesus' faith in his Father's care was perfect. And yet the storm raged all around him, didn't it? But he slept. He slept in quiet stillness and in peace. How could he do it? Why did he do it? Because he believed his Father's promise. The promises that would cause the psalmist to write, I will both lie down in peace and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. This evening, or whenever it is on this Father's Day that you go to take your rest, amid whatever it is that troubles you, remember who's greater than all of your troubles. Remember the concern for you that compelled him to the death of his cross. Remember that he awoke from that sleep, that death, to still and silence your most eternal and and deepest fears. Remember who it is that's in the boat with you. In the stern, of course. Where else would Christ Jesus be? Because it's in the stern where the rudder is that steers the ship. And in his time, he'll pilot your ship to the great calm of heaven. Remember, so that then you too can both lie down and sleep in peace, knowing that Christ Jesus makes you dwell in safety. In his name, amen.
upon his church as she cries to him in the hour of trial or the day of trouble, we pray. Hear us, O Holy Father, and have mercy upon your church in our generation. When we are tossed about by all the winds of the world which change course so quickly, and when we are beaten by the waves which break upon us with such force, be our shelter from the storm and be our deliverer from disaster. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer that God would grant faithfulness to his church and to the pastors he calls to lead it, we pray. Look, O Lord, upon the needs of your people and grant her pastors faithful to their calling. Men of faith prepared to declare with the Apostle Paul, Behold, now is the acceptable time. Now is the day of salvation. Lord, in your mercy, hear, hear our, our prayer. prayer. That God would hear the cries of his persecuted people around the world and grant them his peace, we pray. Increasingly, O Father, those who bear your Son's holy name suffer at the hands of those who will not acknowledge him as Lord. As your apostles endured afflictions and hardships and beatings and imprisonments and sleepless nights and hunger for your name's sake, so grant the strength of your grace to all your suffering sons and daughters in our day, that they may remain steadfast in the confession of faith unto the end. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. prayer. That our Lord would look with mercy upon our nation and secure it from those who would do us harm, we pray. O Father, grant wisdom to our President and Congress as they confront the critical issues of our times and through our courts maintain justice in our land. Protect us from all who would harm us from within and from aggressors who would strike us from without. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. That God would give ear to the prayers of his people who are unemployed, to those who are troubled by trial and tribulation, and to those of the sick and suffering, we pray. Have mercy, O Lord, upon all who seek employment, that doors of opportunity would be opened unto them, provide the financially distressed with the necessities of life and with the means to support themselves and their families. Have mercy upon those whose hearts are burdened by other work or family-related problems that they may find guidance in your word and then gratefully apply it, Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. Have mercy upon the sick and those who care for them, especially Hugh Ryan, Andy McDermott, Paul Duell, Dick and Elsie Much, Glenn Miller, others who must contend daily with physical infirmities, with sickness, with disease. Bless those recovering from surgery and those preparing for it, that they would be confident in your good will and your healing power. Lord, in your mercy, hear, hear our, our prayer. That our Lord would grant his comfort to those who are saddened by the death of loved ones, we pray. Comfort, O Father, all who mourn. Especially do we pray for Dorothy Latham at the death of her husband, Robert. Be with her in the days and the months to come. Grant her good memories of your blessing shared with Robert and confidence also in your promises to care for her until that day when you restore unto us and your people all that death takes from us. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. That our Father in heaven would bless all who celebrate life's joys and special blessings, we pray. Today with Vic and Carol Small, who celebrate their 52nd anniversary, and Neil and Michelle Trenery celebrating their 7th anniversary of marriage, 
We thank you for the love of you and each other that is shared by each couple. And we pray that you would continue to bless their homes with your presence. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And on this day when our nation bids all to honor fatherhood, we give you thanks for our fathers who taught us to call upon you as our heavenly father through the sacrifice of your son. And we pray for all fathers in our land that they may be loved and honored by their children and enabled by you to be the agents of order and security in our families. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. That God would sustain our faith through his word and sacraments and keep us all unto life everlasting, we pray. Through your word and sacraments, preserve us, O Lord, in our baptismal faith. Grant grateful hearts unto all who now prepare to receive the very body and blood of your Son, that we with angels and archangels and all the company of heaven would sing your praise like the morning stars that sang together at creation, when all of the host of heaven shouted for joy through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, to whom with you and the Holy Spirit be all honor and glory now and forever. Amen. Amen. Baba, Lord, be with you. truly good right and salutary that we should at all times and in all places give thanks to you holy lord almighty father everlasting god through jesus christ our lord who out of love for his fallen creation humbled himself by taking on the form of a servant and becoming obedient unto death even death upon a cross risen from the dead he has freed us from eternal death and given us life everlasting and therefore, with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and saying, Holy, 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 Lord, God of heart and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. O Hosanna, O Hosanna, O Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who, who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed are you, Lord of heaven and earth, for you have had mercy upon those whom you created and sent your only begotten Son into our flesh to bear our sin and be our Savior. With repentant joy, we receive the salvation accomplished for us by the all-availing sacrifice of his body and his blood upon the cross. Gathered in the name and the remembrance of Jesus, we beg you, O Lord, to forgive, renew, and strengthen us with your word and spirit. Grant us faithfully to eat his body and to drink his blood as he bids us do in his own testament. Gather us together, we pray, from the ends of the earth to celebrate with all the faithful the marriage feast of the Lamb and his kingdom, which has no end. Graciously receive our prayers, deliver and preserve us. To you alone, O Father, be all glory, honor, and worship with the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take and eat, this is my body which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. 
In the same way also he took the cup after supper. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And also with you. Lamb of God, you take away the sin of the world. Have mercy on us. Lamb of God, you take away the sin of the world. Have mercy on us. Lamb of God, you take away. 
Heavenly Father, you have given us a foretaste of the feast to come in your Son's holy supper, in his very body and blood. Keep us firm in the true faith throughout our days of pilgrimage, that on the day of his coming we may together with all of your saints celebrate the marriage feast of the Lamb in his kingdom which has no end. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Receive the benediction of the Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord may his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace.